This recording has been produced by Christchurch, Jerusalem. For more information, visit us at cmj-israel.org. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our study on the Acts of the Holy Spirit, where we uh, study the book of Acts, but pay particular attention to the work and sometimes the absence thereof of the Holy Spirit. Let's see how and what we can learn by that. We are currently halfway through the Acts chapter 16, and uh, we will do the time-honored Christian tradition before, whenever we do anything gathering in the name of Jesus, we pray. 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 And so uh, volunteer to pray for us and bless our time. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Father, we thank you for this time together, Lord. Set aside to come before your word and to learn things afresh. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would honor us by its presence and lead us into truth. Amen. 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 Okay. The other thing we do is we go over the notes of last week so that we can remind ourselves, refresh ourselves, uh, and see if, if there's anything there that I, I had missed. All right. So, these notes are from uh, verses 1 to 15, as I thought. I know we had done a little bit more about the, the lady who has the um, spirit, but we'll cover her again. Uh, today. So, Acts uh, 16. Paul and Barnabas separate, okay, following a dispute over John Mark. I mean, that's at the tail end of 15. And his suitability for mission. At this point, Barnabas, who described in Acts 11 as being a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, disappears from the pages of sacred history. And we don't hear anything more about him. Um, other sacred texts do have some information, but ours do not. Paul takes Silas, who, as we found out, is a prophet. So Paul takes Silas the prophet as companion, and most probably Luke from Antioch as well. Traveling via Tarsus, they go, uh, Barnabas heads off to Cyprus, which is his old stomping ground, and Paul goes to Tarsus, which is his old stomping ground. They go overland to Derby. They begin to revisit the community established from what had become and is now called the first missionary journey. In Lystra, where Paul had been proclaimed as Hermes, they encounter Timothy, whose Jewish mother is mentioned as a believer. Recall that Derby and Lystra have small Jewish communities with no synagogues. Mixed marriages, assimilation, are assumed as being quite common. Timothy's father is a Greek. He's not mentioned as a believer, and all by name, and so perhaps even deceased. Paul personally circumcises Timothy in preparation for joining the mission team. Circumcision remains a commandment for the Jewish people. Contrast this with Titus and Acts 15 in which Gentiles are not required to undergo this rite, nor full Torah observance. This does not mean Torah is not studied, because James informs us that Torah is read and studied every Sabbath, both for Jews and Gentiles, which happen to be in the same buildings together. There is no New Testament at this point. The Torah is not to be applied as a burden for the Gentiles. It is, however, continued to be studied and not as they say, done away with. Had they been done away with, they would have studied nothing. The Holy Spirit appears in this chapter to prevent the team from proceeding south or north. So we have had the Holy Spirit speak, call, directs, sends, but now he also prevents, stops, prohibits, and withholds. He does things that appear positive as well 
as negative. For example, it's positive to go send the gospel south. But the Holy Spirit says no. It's a good thing to send the gospel north. The Holy Spirit said no. The team is essentially being pushed westwards. The Spirit of Jesus is described as also preventing the team heading north. And while it seems the Holy Spirit and Spirit of Jesus are used interchangeably, there seems no reason why these terms are actually so used. Like there's no reason why you would begin, if you're saying the word the Holy Spirit, suddenly switch to the Spirit of Jesus. So we don't know why he does that. Recall that Silas is a prophet and so might be the one receiving these instructions. In Troas, Paul, and not Silas, has a vision. We had not been informed how the Holy Spirit had been, been forbidden them to enter the regions of Asia and uh, Bithynia. Here we understand it as a vision experience. Paul shares this vision with the team and is concluded by consensus that there is a calling to go to Macedonia. Okay? So note, Paul gets the vision Paul, where, they, where they say, you come to Macedonia. He shares the vision with a bunch of other people who have not had the vision. And it is consensus that says we will go to Macedonia. The first we passage enters the Alexandrian text of Acts. Although in Western text, he's already there since uh, uh, Luke, uh, Acts 11. All right. Why does the vision occur in Troas and not before? We do not know. However, there are apparently special locations on the planet where the connection between heaven and earth seem to be a bit closer. Examples uh, in, in other sacred literature are Mount Hermon, Temple Mountain, Beit El, etc. Note the way sacred history reveals that visions and prophecies are shared and discussed in consensus. We've just had two chapters of people trying to figure out what the Holy Spirit is saying and how do you do that? You get the group together. Unity. And also that God's guidance comes from many sources and not in one form only. Right? Which is also a very important thing. Some of us get dreams. Some of us have visions. Some of us have words of knowledge. Some of us have a text. But it's not just one thing and we often see the Holy Spirit do multiple or different things. The team arrived in Greece at a place called Philippi. It was a Roman colony. Roman colonies were largely established by ex-soldiers as a reward for service. So here we're talking about uh, quite a, a reasonably well-off community speaking Latin and Greek. There is no large Jewish presence here, hence no synagogue in the colony. Thus on the Sabbath day, they actually go outside the town to a river, which has become known as the place of prayer. And is the place of prayer for Jews and God-fearers, or in this case, probably an overwhelming number of God-fearers, but there would be some Jews. The river functioning as a mikveh for the community. Lydia of Thyatira, a cloth and purple dye merchant, listens to the preaching of the team, another we passage, where it's uh, not just Paul preaching, but all of them. No male figure is mentioned in her life, leading to much speculation about scholars. Is she single? Is she a widow? Is she divorced? Where does she come from? Why is she uh, attached to the God-fearers? Although what we find in much sacred history, as well as the Talmud, as well as other uh, Second Temple and First Temple period uh, literary text, we discover that Gentile women are heavily involved in the Jewish movement. Don't know why. They just are. 
And in the New Testament, they seem to be the ones paying for everything. Right? So, so it's good to have them around. Lydia and her household are baptized and they offer hospitality to the group. Lydia's house becomes a location for the church in Philippi. No miracle is required for her household to come to faith. And no speaking in tongues is noted following their baptism. Okay. Sometimes in the book of Acts you get baptized and immediately we have tongues. And sometimes we have baptism and nothing happens. Okay. Correct. All right. So let's pick it up from verse uh, 16. All right. So Acts 16, 16. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she did this for many days, but Paul was greatly disturbed. And turning, he said to the Spirit, I charge you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. When the Romans realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs, uh, customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Then the crowd joined in the attack on them, so the chief authorities ripped their clothes off them and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. The jail called for life rushed in and fell trembling before all outside. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. And he brought them up into his house and set the table before them. And he exalted 
because he had to believe in God with all his household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they have beaten us publicly without a trial, men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison, and now they are sending us away secretly. No, let them come themselves and lead us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. They came to appease them and escort them to the prison, requesting them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. When they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Alright. Okay, so, having a little look at our maps here, so we actually know where they are, right. so, uh, which is really handy. Yeah, they start in Antioch, which is where okay, the, the early church actually gets its power from. Right? Here we have the Jewish and Gentiles coming together for the very first time in Acts 11. Uh, well, uh, yeah, as a community, uh, headed up by Barnabas and, and Saul, who changed his name later to uh, Paul. Uh, Jerusalem, we're not sure what's going on. Um, they've still got some issues. But they, it is the Holy Spirit who speaks to the community in Antioch and says, choose for me these guys, they're mine, and we'll send them out. And so then they do their first little trip. Now for their second trip, uh, the same two heroes, okay, who are full of faith and full of the Spirit, have a personality, uh, have a dispute over uh, the, whether John Mark is fit for service or not, and, uh, which is a good lesson to learn. Okay, that uh, believers full of the Spirit can still have arguments. Okay, we still have splits. Okay, it's called the church. We're very good at it. Okay? And so Barnabas heads off to Cyprus. We never hear about him again. Okay, that doesn't say he doesn't do stuff. He does. It's just our portion of sacred history is not concerned with it. We're concerned with uh, Paul's trip. So he trumps over to Troas and then goes overland. And uh, goes the opposite route to, 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 uh, to the first journey. The first journey ended in Derby. He begins in, in Derby. And uh, when he gets about halfway up after Iconium, that's when the Holy Spirit starts stopping him from going places. He wanted to go south. He wanted to go north. Uh, various things prevented him. And in so obviously we're not, we can't go north, can't go south, came from the east. We must go west. We ended up all the way crossing the river over into uh, get that uh, vision experience from going to Macedonia to Greece, and we're now in uh, Philippi, so about way up here. Okay, uh, we're in. Even though a lot of these places that he's been to, like Iconium and, and places and Antioch, city and Antioch, are already Roman colonies. This is a Roman colony with obviously no Jewish uh, or very very little. Jewish presence. Okay. A little bit more about Roman colonies in a minute. So looking at the actual text that we read in 16, uh, verse 16. So they're going back to this place of prayer, which is outside uh, the town. 
precinct by this river, which functions as the, uh, the mikveh. Uh, while they're heading in that direction, they encounter a young girl who uh, is a slave and has a spirit. And very interestingly, the, uh, the, it's called the spirit of Python or Pythona. Um, the, not explain how she becomes possessed. Okay, she happens to have this spirit. And it's interesting that in Greek mythology, the Python is a serpent dragon that actually dwelt in this area and guarded the oracle of Delphi and was actually then slain by Apollo, this is all part of their mythology, who happens to be the god of prophecy. So you can see how it all somehow fits in that the, the, the Acts is recording and, 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 and linking in with some uh, Greek mythology of the area that this girl has a spirit which is identified as a prophetic spirit um, how much of the future she can or cannot actually tell but she has some sort of power that has the ability to discern humans and, and judge them pretty well and she makes money for her owners and they had given her this this uh, this title having had the spirit of, of Python somehow she can predict human behavior right. um, we don't know exactly whether the day is the Sabbath again like Formerly, it had been the Sabbath. Uh, this time it just says as they were going to the place of prayer. It could be, uh, in tradition, in Jewish tradition, the, the Bible is read in public on Shabbat, Mondays and Thursdays. So it could be any of those days, actually. They could be going to the time when they're gathering to read the Bible. This would give the team a really good opportunity to pick whatever passage is being read and say, let me tell you how this talks about Jesus. How, whatever it is we don't know uh, the day however this girl does have a special power what is her power telling the truth <laughs> she says do you know who these men are no one's got a clue who these men are but the spirit inside recognized who these men were and made her shout it out because what she's actually doing is telling them the truth. And what does she call them? I mean, it's going to be in Greek, which is going to be Theos uh, Hypsistos, the God Almighty. But here they have it. What does uh, verses um, 17 have in your translations? Most high. Most high. El Elyon. Yes. How many times does God get called El Elyon in the Bible? Twice. It's not normally his name. Okay. Anyone know off the top of your head who is, who is called the servant of El Elyon for the very first time? In fact, the only time. Abraham? Nope. He meets him though. Melchizedek. Melchizedek is king of Salem and priest of El Elyon. And it's only ever been used once ever again in, uh, in Psalm 78. Okay. Oddly, for some reason. And, uh, but it's a very interesting phrase for talking about God. Some scholars, a lot of scholars, 
end up trying to, when they're writing their commentaries, try and say El Elyon was some other god. He wasn't our god. And so Melchizedek was just worshipping this other false thing or whatever it was. But this, this spirit knows who God is. And for whatever reason, okay, that is the name that uh, is, is directed. This, these people are servants of the Most High God. And uh, they know the way of salvation. They know how to get saved. Why would a spirit say such a thing? I have no idea. <laughs> Any ideas? <laughs> because, Paul, because Paul was carrying the Holy Spirit and these evil spirits had a bow before the spirit that was in Paul. Possibly. Like, such as with Yeshua. Every time demons saw Yeshua, they said the same thing, didn't they? Yes. When they came into his, his presence, they automatically blurted out, we know who you are. I think because the we call Roman background, there's pagans. All yeah. kinds of gods, deities. Yes. So they need to portray Christ as the most high God. Sure. Among all, his name above all names. That could be the reason. Because they have a thousand gods. I have a lot of them. Yeah. If they came from Egypt, it's even more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just keep making some more up. Yeah. But here is this uh, slave girl. Uh, who, who addresses them as servants of the Most High God and she tells everybody these guys have the way of salvation. It's pretty good advertising. Okay? But apparently it was annoying the pants off Paul anyway. Okay? Um, I wonder whether this is a case of she wants to, I mean, it's going to come out that these guys know what they're talking about and can minister in power and reveal the truth about Jesus. And so she goes along with it and then in such a way that People, when they're gone, people come to her for more information than she was feeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because think about this. Here you've got these masters who own this girl, who has this spirit. We have no idea how she got it. She got it. And this, this spirit can, you know, we don't, probably can't really, really, really tell the future, but it probably can, it's got some special power of how to, how to discern and read humans really well. So it's, it's doing stuff and uh, making them all kinds of money. So they've seen this girl in action and it's probably pretty good. Now she's turning around saying, these guys are servants of the Most High God and they, they can tell you how to get saved. And what are the masters not doing? They're not listening to their own creation. Right? Their own, you know. She's, she's putting on a disguise here. The spirit was disguising itself. We're just all in this together. Oh. We're, all, we're all a bunch of good prophets here. Okay. Could be. Could be. Yeah. I'm on your team. Exactly. Yep. Could be. It goes on in the church all the time. Yeah. I mean, no one's listening to this girl. Oddly enough, like they, we don't get this encounter that says, and, Paul, and Luke says, oh, and by the way, the guy that was standing next to her, he suddenly worked out who we were and became a believer in Jesus. Um, anyway, uh, in, in 18, she's kept this up for many days. So this is not a one-off affair. Um, somehow, wherever Paul seems to go around this town, I can't remember how big the town is. I do remember reading us uh, some dimensions of it, and I can't remember it now. Um, anyone know off the top of their head how big this town was? It wasn't the administrative capital. That's Thessalonica. Uh, but anyway, um, he can't seem to avoid her. She somehow narrows him down. 
and Paul gets uh, upset and so he commands the the, uh, the the spirit to come out and the spirit comes out so we have another miracle which is fantastic and what's the result of this miracle yeah once again Paul does a miracle and millions of people don't get saved okay um, it, you know sometimes people don't put your hope in there being a miracle they, sometimes it happens sometimes the miracle does lead people to the Lord it's fantastic but also in sacred history we discover Paul does something fantastic and all it does is get him into trouble right he was a crippled man and he ends up being proclaimed a god, right? And uh, and then gets so badly beaten, everyone thinks he's dead. Now he does it again. He holds off. He holds off. He holds off. Okay, I can't handle it. Get out of here. And what's the result? Okay, people don't fall down and go, "Wow, you really are servants of the Most High God. This is amazing. What are we going to do for fun now?" Um, but uh, no, people are very upset. Think twice before perhaps sometimes, yeah. You might get beaten up, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's a miracle, but don't people think they can do that all the time? Who? I mean, just like I command that that bad spirit comes out of you. Don't people try to do that now? I'm sure they do. But so it's, I've never heard of it as a miracle. Well, why would it not be? I don't know, but I, I that's interesting that's to me. Okay. Yeah, but I think. It's something people, wonderful, Pele. To don't people think that they can do that? And I, I can't, but I just feel like some people think they can do that. Some people can heal. Well, some people can yes. Yeah? But that's what God's doing. In a time of purpose, they do. It's just interesting, I've never heard of it as a miracle. Okay. <laughs> no one else finds that interesting? Well, they're categorized under kind of signs and wonders in the Gospels. I mean, yeah. the, the, these um, uh, casting out of demons. Well, Paul, this spiritual gifts, uh, miracles is a, is a specific separate category. I, I would think that the healing would not have been considered a, a miraculous. Maybe if somebody grows a limb or a <laughs> blind from birth sort of thing, but uh, lots of healing went on. Yeah, and and to be fair, so did a lot of exorcisms. Uh, the 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 Jewish people already before this before Jesus had a very well established way of exercising demons. And so to practice. Oh, that's the, yeah. Yes, in in some in some in some some demonic strongholds had uh, required more than just a simple uh, command. Yeah, yeah. In in one one account of uh, Second Temple period exorcism that I read, uh, what they would do is they would get a, a ring with special herbs on it and stuff like that and they'll put the clip the ring on the nose of someone who had been possessed and the smell would draw out the demon and once the demon was out the person's nose they would quickly start casting the demon out and command it to go away and uh wasn't that fantastic um and you go wow that is one way of doing what it does a demon take? i have no clue yeah. no we clue. hear a lot about them but there's no <laughs> description of what these no. Like, is that? No. Yeah. 
Anyway. Jesus says these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name. And yep. Cry about yes, they will. And so uh, then anyone can do it if it's by yeah. his name. Technically. So it's not a miracle. Or is it a miracle? Because only certain people can do it. Depends on what the, <laughs> the, the definition of a miracle is. Maybe maybe it's just a word. The the point is he does something wonderful. How's that? That's better. Okay. <laughs> and the wonder does not seem so wonderful to lots of people. It's only the two the owners who got upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well not at the moment at the start. So the owners, yeah, they're really upset because their money-making machine has gone. Now think about what these money-makers have, or the owners, which is a collection, consortium of some type, have actually seen. They've seen a girl who has been possessed talk to some other people and say, these people have, are servants of the Most High God. They have the way of salvation. These people who have the way of salvation have this then, by some power, taken the demon and made her go away or it go away so instead of going wow this is fantastic i think i need to talk to these people a little bit more and find out how they got this power and perhaps they're actually saying something true they don't these owners were not just innocent bystanders here i mean we've been we've been having a whole uh what we call it conspiracy cooperative they were into the Cultism, just like the girls. Possibly. She was the mouthpiece. They were the, the yep. box office. Yeah. I'm sure that there, hers was not the only demon involved in this procedure. Possibly. Yeah. What would so, the people have thought when they heard uh, you can be saved through them? What would be their understanding? Every third vote. That's a good question. I don't know what what uh, pagan redemption thoughts look like but the idea of a messianic redeemer is a jewish concept the the idea of the coming redemption it, it comes from the jewish people uh, it's borrowed by other people who have had contact with jews okay like islam creates a redeemer figure okay which they call jesus okay uh, as well um but like in greek and roman mythology there wasn't sort of a uh, a redemption. Basically, there was a final battle. It's always going to be a final battle, but um, and it was going to be horrible. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what they would have understood. It's going to it's going to be that question when we get to the jailer and he says, "How do I get saved?" Well, what do you understand by salvation? So we can talk about that in a minute. So in verse 19, the owners of the slave girl realize their hope of making money is gone. They seize Paul and Silas, okay, and drag them into the marketplace uh, to face the authorities. Hey, no mention of Timothy or Luke, but they're probably there as well. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men, now notice what they say. They say, these men are Jews, and they are throwing our cities in uproar by advocating customs, unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. All right. So, what do you note from their charge? These men are. He's making a distinction between Jews and Romans. Right. So we got a Jews versus Romans uh, dispute. There's uh, our customs versus their customs idea. Okay. There's uh, what else is the charge? These men are. 
Who's with them? Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. These men are Jews. So, again, the remember the Orthodox tradition is that Luke's Jewish. And they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. So, yeah, we notice the nationalism. And it's customs versus something that's unlawful. Jews versus Romans, customs versus unlawful. Um, so in the, and, they, and they're standing before the magistrates. Now, the magistrates of a Roman colony usually only had the power to inflict um, monetary fines. They didn't have the ability to, to do what they're about to do, which is flog people. Now, they did. You know, people abuse their power all the time. But the official power of a Roman magistrate was not to flog people. He could hear the cause. He could um, assign uh, a blame. He would then attribute a money uh, a thing. If you can't pay, he throw in jail. And if you needed further uh, problems, you would go to be sent to the uh, proconsul who in this case would have been in Thessalonica. And this would have been in public. Okay, so what's the, in, the, in Roman towns, what's the, what do we call the center where they all are? It's the forum. Yeah. And this is a public thing. And so, um, guess who's also present? The public. Because oddly enough, you know, we didn't have television back then. Uh, or Netflix, and so some people who were really bored thought that it would be really cool to go watch the magistrates give out justice. Okay? Um, and guess what we still have in, in today's world? You, you can watch Question Time on TV. <laughs> okay, we still do it. We actually still televise uh, what our government does. In fact, you have the, the public gallery. You can at any time go and watch the government do government stuff. Um, I don't know how bored you have to be to do that, uh, but people do. Yeah, so it's a lot more entertaining, don't you think? Okay, so that's right. It's actually something to see. <laughs> right, but um, but but here, so so, so the uh, you end up in verse 22 with a thing called the crowd joins in. Now where'd the crowd show up from? Well, they're already there. Okay, and. They, they, they might not have had anything to do with this incident other than they just happened to be there when they dragged in these guys and start complaining and they hear the charge and it's all, the charges are all false apart from the fact that they're Jews. Okay. Um, because they're really being persecuted because they did something in the name of Jesus. Yeah. But their fallback is and because it, the actual charge actually has absolutely no yes, weight that's, yeah. um, which will probably explain why they actually want to get released the very next day is that um, Roman law did it was forbidden to practice some sort of alien cult right um, except that Judaism was actually an official legal religion within the Roman Empire so they're not doing anything illegal. 
um, you know, they've just been talked about the Most High God, right? That's what our uh, uh, prophetess or the girl, spirit lady, um, the spirit of Python was saying. Okay? Not they had the spirit of Jesus, they had the spirit of the Messiah, or some strange word. In Greek, it's Theosipsistos. Okay, we're going to find altars to this God dotted around the empire. Um, the magistrates, are pro the, the, the owners are probably looking for some financial reward. Right? They're trying to, trying to probably get some compensation from um, uh, Paul and, and Barnabas. You, know, you, you blew the way we make money, so you need to cough up. But uh, it does, that actually doesn't work. The crowd gets incited. Don't know how they get incited. They just do. Tends to find that that happens all over the place, including here. Right? Crowds start to want to crucify Jesus, even though they have nothing to do with it. Um, and, uh, and Paul and Silas... Uh, get stripped, whipped, and beaten. Okay, no mention of this happening to Timothy and Luke. Oh, it's a pretty good chance it happened to them too. Right. Um, in verse 23, they are uh, been severely flogged, and then they are thrown in prison. And we encounter a guy with no name, right? The the Philippian jailer. And um, I hunted for this guy's name. I could not find it. I mean, even the Orthodox don't give this guy a story. Normally, they're very good at giving us his name and coming up with some great church that he plants and, you know, <laughs> becomes the bishop of, you know, Tarsus or something, but that, we don't know what happened. Uh, and they were thrown in prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. So, it's a, as this being a Roman colony, as this probably, you know, being settled from ex-Roman soldiers, which is how the Romans built their colonies, uh, they, you, you would go join the Roman army and at the end of retirement you would be given a house and some land and in some place that, that Rome wanted you to build. Uh, so this guy's actually probably ex-military. Okay, so he's probably a retired officer from, from some type. Um, got himself a good cushy job uh, as the jailer knows how to do his job. And he has received special orders, like for whatever reason, you know, keep these guys under care. So he puts them in uh, the deepest, darkest dungeon he's got. Uh, he puts them in the inner cell. So there's going to be absolutely no light. Right? There's no windows, no light, overcrowding. And he fastens their feet in the stocks. So you get a lot of detail on their internment. Why do we get so much detail? Hey, Luke looks there, okay? You've got a lot of good detail as to what's going on. We've got the, the beatings are involved, the arguments are, uh, of what the charges were, and, uh, and what the, in, the, the prison looked like. I'd really like to know what song they sing. Yeah, that's right. Who knows? I mean, um, it's interesting that they start singing because, um, you know, when you're in that type of darkness, Right? That's pretty psychologically, uh, it's hard for people, hard for prisoners. But they keep up their spirits, they, they're singing. And about midnight, you know, when it's, even though they're already in a place with no light, it's definitely, definitely pitch black. Okay? Uh, Paul and Silas were praying and singing uh, songs of some type to God. Alright, so um, why does it mention that only Paul and Silas were singing, not everybody else? I don't think you would have been sleeping. <laughs> they're, all, they're all listening. Yeah, they could have been listening. Uh, we're not 100% sure what they were singing. We, we don't know. 
It is interesting that Psalm 119 of David says, At midnight I'll praise the Lord. Wow. Yeah, so, awesome. yeah, so it, uh, we don't know why. It's, it's actually a late tradition that there are midnight chants in Jewish tradition. We don't know what they were doing at this stage. We don't know what their songs were. The songs are to God though, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Not to Jesus. Why not? Because we haven't invented Hillsongs yet. Okay? It's coming, but we haven't got there yet. Okay? What song was that song ringing? Psalm 119. Okay, it's the, the long one, and then as yeah. da- one of David's uh, lines, I think it's, I think it's verse 25, but don't quote me on that one. Uh, it says, "At midnight, I will arise and praise the Lord." Ah, well, it depends on which Bible you're reading, doesn't it? Okay, um, that's a good question. What do you think, Aria? Do you think these guys think were singing were, in Greek? I think they were singing in Greek. Yeah, they could have been. They yeah. could have seen Hebrew, but they sang Greek. Paul was quite amazing because, as a Hebrew of a Hebrew trained in Jerusalem, he, he was totally with the Hebrew scriptures. And, but I'm pretty sure that after he got his commission in Damascus and wound up spending 14 years in Tarsus, he was in the crash course both in the, the Septuagint Greek and yeah. Greek philosophers. Yes, because he definitely knows Greek that philosophy. That we encountered in the next chapter. Yep. Yep. So, and he quotes freely uh, from the Septuagint throughout his letters, right. resisting, resisting all temptations to use the original Hebrew. Yep. Yeah, so whatever song he was singing, uh, it was good. And, um, uh, and, and it has an effect on people. Okay? And, and act, I have to say, um, has anyone seen the movie uh, The Insanity of God? So, read the book? It's an incredible documentary, and it has it's lots of little stories uh, of this guy's quest to find out whether Jesus is actually worth it. Talks about this Russian uh, family where uh, they're believers in the KGB throw him in prison, in Russian prison, and uh, he doesn't know where his family is and where his wife is, and yeah, they beat him up every day and all that kind of stuff. Um, but every day he would leave his prison cell and he would sing a song. And it would always be the same song, right? Just sing his little Jesus song, and um, and one day they—I mean—they do all horrible things to him. They—they they get people to dress up as his wife, and they drag her in front of him, beating her up, and all you know, horrible. Really, to really make this guy feel bad. And then they're going to take him to kill him. Okay, so they take him out uh, to kill him. But as they do, this prison has got one and a half thousand bloodthirsty monsters in it, okay? You know, a lot of people who deserve to be in this prison, probably the same as the people that are in the same prison that Paul is in. Okay, not everybody in this prison is innocent, right? Prisons, prisons are full of people who are bad and need to be there. But as they took this Russian guy out, one and a half thousand Russian prisoners sang his song. Yeah. And so the prison guards were like, well, we're not going not gonna to kill him. And so it has effects, right? It's, uh, it has effects on people. And so we have no idea what song they were singing, but their joy, their enthusiasm, despite their darkness, despite their pain. Now, these guys have been beaten. Their wounds have not been treated. They are in a very dirty place. This is, every part about this is horrible. And they are worshipping the Lord. And isn't that encouraging? 
that that's a good good heroes for you. Okay. Um, so the the other prisoners are listening. Okay. So it, Luke doesn't tell us who the other prisoners were, but he's also as part of this. Okay. Suddenly there's a violent earthquake, verse 26, and the foundations of the prison are shaken. We do not get the source of the earthquake. It doesn't say this was an accident or you know, a nice timed earthquake that the Lord had or an angel did it or anything. Is that there is one? I've got a, sort of a, an idea about that. It's Excellent. It's a fun idea. Because it was causing so much joy in heaven. The angels were really having a party. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the gap between heaven and earth narrowed, yeah. and the earth started to shake. There you go. <laughs> I heard. You like it? I like it. That'll preach. Keeping time with his foot. With his foot? Yeah. And, a... and he was into it. Yeah, as a, right. yeah. As a, it was a good song. Okay. I would suppose it would be the first verbal utterance of the word Palestine. <laughs> yeah, and, and they started shaking, and yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we don't get the source of the prison, uh, the shaking of the prison. Uh, and at once the prison doors fly open and everybody's chains are loose. Okay. So it's very, it's, a, it's miraculous. I'm using that word again. Is that okay? <laughs> That's a miracle. Okay. <laughs> what's it, what's it also a miracle is the very next thing that happens. Right? No one leaves. I mean, um, no, no one leaves. The bad guys who deserve to be there don't leave. And the good guys who don't deserve to be there also don't leave. And no one leaves. All the prisoners remain there. Alright? And we don't, we're not told why. Like, it, it's not that, I mean, Paul could have said, okay, uh, I know you want to leave right now, but no, don't. Okay? Uh, Reminds me of the end of the Acts when Paul is on the boat and the Lord appears to him and he says, and the Lord has given everybody on the ship as well. Given me, yes. Mm -hmm. He gave him everybody in the prison Mm hmm. Yep. So the jailer woke, woke up uh, and he sees the prison doors open and uh, has to come and investigate. So he draws his sword and is about to kill himself because uh, he thought the prisoners had escaped and we've discussed this before the um, the 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 being a, a, a jailer was a pretty good job up until the point when someone escaped <laughs> okay um, and so it's one of the reasons why jailers were quite brutal because they really didn't want anyone to escape right so it was one of those things um, so he draws his sword maybe the sound of the the sheathing uh, alerts Paul that someone's actually it's, it's dark it's pitch black and um, but Paul shouts out don't harm yourself right yeah, okay we're, we're all still here and the jailer calls for light which he hadn't done before uh, and when he comes in he falls trembling before Paul and Silas now why would he do such a thing they were the folks in charge yeah, they're definitely in charge. Yeah. Where do you think the earthquake, where the, the jailer thought the earthquake came from? Something very high and mighty to save them. And the jailer was a, 
aware of Luther's situation is awesome. So they were amazed like that. Because suddenly, how can these people, bad guys, as you say, supposed to get in there? But it was opened by the earthquake, not by anybody, unlocked the door. It was opened in, by, by the miracle. In, remember, in pagan tradition, pagans aren't irreligious. Mm. Pagans are actually very religious. They're just not our religious. Okay? They actually believe their gods are real, and they believe their gods had effects on the planet. And so when things happened on the earth, they attributed that to gods. gods. Right? Uh, and by the way, we still do. Okay? Why, why, when you have a large act of nature, we don't call it an act of nature, we call it a act of God. Okay? And in fact, some insurance policies even have that clause in your contract. If an act of God occurs, okay, which means some large earthquake, okay, which we all attribute to the Lord, um, but so, so they did it too. And so he obviously assumes that there's some sort of higher power going around. He comes in and Paul and Silas are the heroes. They're the leaders. They're obviously the ones in charge. Perhaps he thought he did it. Don't know. Perhaps he thought that Paul and Silas were the source of this. Don't know. Okay. Um, uh, the jailer uh, falls before them trembling. And then he brings them out of the, the prison and says, Sirs, or uh, I think the Greek there is, uh, is it Curion, Curie? Lords, my lords? Yes. Yes, Adonim in Hebrew, Adonim, yes. very, a good, good high form, very, now being very polite. Uh, and he asks that question, what must I do to be saved? Now in verse 30, just so you know, Western texts of the book of Acts, uh, everyone knows what that means, yes? Uh, other earlier versions of Acts that have uh, more material uh, have an extra extra line and it says that um, the Western text adds that the jailer secures the rest of the prisoners first and then released Paul and Silas. Okay, so our book of Acts, which is Alexandrian, has he brought them out. Who's the them? Well, it could be any, everybody. Everybody's unchained at this stage. The Western version actually has the jailer locking up all the bad guys. Yep. Okay. Jesus sets you free. That doesn't mean killers and rapists can leave prison. Does it? And so the, for whatever reason... The Western text just had that extra little piece of information. That the bad guy, bad guys, well, they had to stay. The good guy, good guys, well, they got to leave. Our version of, of, our, of Acts does not have that information. Our information has he brings them out and he asks them the question. He's very polite. Uh, what do I need to do to be saved? What do you think his understanding of salvation is? Jim's question from about half an hour ago. What do you think? Being on the wrong side of judgment from the end? It could be. I think just his life. What do, I, what do I need to do to keep living? Because I just nearly wanted to commit seppuku. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it's very carnal. Or. Knowing that the prisoners might have escaped, that was a death sentence. Okay. So, where does this jailer live? 
Sure, but what's the town? It lives in Philippi. What's been going on for the last week? Actually, there's been this little girl following around Paul saying this guy serves the Most High God and he knows the way to salvation. So, it could be, Jim, now it might not be, it could be that it really is asking. What does that actually mean? That little girl that said, who told me who you were, now I've had this giant earthquake, you're still here, what do I need to do? It could be. Or it could be a lot more carnal like, Okay, what, how do I get out of this mess? Uh, I, I mean, what really is going on, guys? Okay, okay it could be. But it did it. Um, well, related to his concept, uh, his, his concept of being punished by their gods because they are... Could be. Yeah. Their gods because, could be it. Come down yeah, and yeah. get him for this. Yeah. They are punished by their gods, so they have to be careful, get saved. How to be safe. They don't know what safe means. Just to, to be out of the disaster, maybe that's what they thought. Could it be? Don't know. I mean, the text doesn't say. We do know that he wasn't listening to Paul and Silas singing. Why? He woke up. Right? So, you know, everybody else was listening, but he was not. Um, but he had, does ask the question. How do I get to be saved? Which is a very good question. If someone asked you that, what would you say? Because we know what Paul's answer is. We get it printed. What would you say? Follow the activating of the law of the light of spirit. Well, there you go. <laughs> okay. Well, Anything else? That and maybe confess with your yes, pray with your lips and believe with your heart. This way from the dead. No, there, there's some reason in other places in the scriptures, but then lots more. Then kind of need to go into detail after that. Yeah, I remember being here at Christchurch for eight days, and on, uh, and on the eighth day, I was put down to be a guard on the gate because they gave me didn't have any other job for me, and so. I was standing on the front gate, thinking, right, here we are. Bring on the Jews. Okay, bring on the Jews. <laughs> Going to get them saved. And a small little Chinese man showed up and said, tell me about God. And I was like, okay. And his story was, he was from mainland China, mainlander, who worked in the petroleum factories of China. He had had, uh, show me the photos of himself with his little cap on, little red star. Uh, one wife, one, one daughter, you know, faithful party member, daughter turning 18, has to do an exam. Uh, if she fails the exam, then she doesn't go to university. Only 10% of all the girls go to this university. 90% of all pit girls do not go. So he's thinking, I gave all my life to the state, and the state failed me. What else is there? He hears about this underground church. The underground church in China is big, it's everywhere, it's also largely illegal, so he's not sure about joining it. So he gets himself a six-month contract to come work in, in Israel. Okay, and uh, so on his one day off a week, he's wandering around the old city going, someone here is going to tell me about God, someone here is going to tell me about God. So he walks in Jaffa Gate and he sees the sign, Christ Church. Oh, this has got to be it, right? <laughs> yeah, he walks up to the guy on the front gate, who's me, and says, tell me about God. 
What do you know about God? Nothing. Okay. Have you ever read the Bible? No. Have you ever prayed? No. Have you ever been to church? No. Okay. <laughs> You're not Jewish, I am. <laughs> okay. So it was, uh, and so we met once a week for six months. Okay. And uh, and, uh, and we ended up. He ended up smuggling himself to Hong Kong, and then from there to Canada. And we actually went to his house in 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 Calgary, where his wife cooked us this absolutely delicious food. He and his daughter had become Christians and were joined a local church. His wife still thought the whole thing was uh, superstition. Although she did wear a cross, because it was superstitious. This is what my husband believes in, so I wear one. So where did you start with him? Where I start? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Uh, what, I remember, what I remember doing is I remember e- each time we met, and we would just sit down at the front and just take one concept, I would say. We will talk. So first of all, I, I talked about salvation, what I thought salvation was, uh, and how I would describe it. And then the next day, we'll talk about the church. Next day we'll talk about the Bible. Next day we'll talk about prayer. Next day we'll talk about the whole different subject. Just focus on that. Um, I don't know what else to do. That's what I did. Then God uses sufficient English to understand you. Uh, no, that was a problem, but we did it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so so Paul gets the question, right? What do I have to do to be saved? Where the question comes from? Not a hundred percent sure. Could even be a prompting by the Spirit, but we are not told. Okay, he used reply. They replied, okay, in plural. Believe in the Lord. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You and your household. So, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Dead silence. <laughs> what it, what it, trusting. Trusting. Okay. Well, and then he was baptized without delay, so the death of the old man, the raising up of the new man, that's so, in the same sentence. Yes, yeah, so they spoke the word of the Lord to him. What is the word of the Lord? They spoke the word of the Lord to him. What, what, what is the word of the Lord? What he needs to hear, yeah. because it can be different in different situations. Yeah, it would be, and I don't think there's any one formula. And I got a feeling that we're not told the formula for that exact reason, right? They they get the 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 bumper sticker line: believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved. You and your whole household. Woo-hoo. Okay. Well, what does it mean to believe? Well, that's a very good question. We need to unpack that one for you. And so they they talk. Okay, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to everybody else in his house. So everyone in the house or household or whoever they are, whether it's going to be his servants or his children, his wife or whatever he's got, um, they're all hearing the, the word of the Lord, which I'm going to suggest includes, but not, not limited to, the death and resurrection of the Messiah. The uh, yes, the the hope uh, and life of the world to come. Uh, the requests to turn away from idolatry and fornication and these kinds of things that that uh, uh, would be appropriate for a, a new believer. Um, obviously, starting off with Genesis too, because he's heard heard about the Most High God. 
Who is the most likely? Who is? And that's what we've noticed. That's what our heroes have all done in the book of Acts, right? When they get to Gentile re uh, re regions, they actually talk about God as creator. When they're in Jewish regions, their stories are redemptive sacred history. Okay? But, so maybe, maybe he started off as the, the creator uh, God. But he could have taken through a course or no. a long theology school before at that same hour of the night he took them and his family would baptize without delay. That, that's different than the way we do it a lot of times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, so... I think they, they should have heard the message of the resurrection, crucifixion, resurrection and ascension because this is the key, the focus of Paul's preaching in Greco-Roman area. Remember he said that, I'm not going to debate with you, the Greeks, you are just making me get lost, you know, in the theories. <laughs> I'm just simply telling you the crucifixion and resurrection ah, yeah, of Jesus. Right. So I think he must have heard about this core issue. And this is the way to be saved. Could he speak? Well, uh, Paul's going to give a big uh, philosophical speech in a, in a minute in the next chapter. But here, we're just told that he speaks the word of the Lord. They speak the word of the Lord. It's a group effort. Uh, what exactly that is and how long it takes. Okay, um, The jailer... Uh, takes takes them uh, that night to his house, so probably quite close to the prison. Uh, washes their wounds because nobody's bothered to do that before. Okay, binds up their 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 wounds, and immediately he and his family were baptized. So they uh, profess their faith by the very symbolic, uh, but public. That is, I guess, to the four heroes, Jewish heroes that they've got in front of them, uh, were baptized. Now, where would they do such a thing? Do they were baptized? What does that mean? Well, they don't have a mikveh, do they? But they, we, what makes us think they were baptized? It says so. But just can't they be baptized in the Holy Spirit? It doesn't say that. So we have to go by that it was water. Well, how else is it done? Mm -hmm. And did you consider that in public? I would just think that was in their house. Well, in public in being the four guys that are the witnesses. Right. Yeah. Right, so if it is in their house, how are they doing it? We have, we have no idea. We have no clue how, how they do this. How did Jews get baptized? In a, yeah, yeah, that's right. You do it in, in living water. So they could have been just sprinkled. Could have been. Okay. We so have, that we was have kind of my point. Like, no we don't know clue. that they were... We have no clue. It does we not say. We don't know that they were... In, okay. Nope. We have no clue. It does not say that this is a full immersion or right. anything okay. like that. Not sure whether they don't, it doesn't say they went to the public bath. Like in some parts of the book of Acts, you do get where they do it. They say, oh, here's a big pile of water, let's use that. Okay. Um, there is a local river, we could have gone there. I think it's reasonable to do work means to be immersed. Actually, this is true. This is absolutely very true. Is the water present because you just washed their wounds? That's correct. But exactly why I'm probably anointed. Yeah, no idea. Yeah. So that's correct. My 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 assumption, and it's purely assumption, it doesn't say, is that they just walked down to the where these a place with a God fearing area and went in the river. And they got up and they said, Come in gentlemen, the water is fine. And so I think I think it was a full immersion. This is my personal opinion. However, the uh, the text doesn't say, it just says they were baptized. Okay? And there's no mention 
of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't say he wasn't present. Right. It does not say, it just says, but... Pretty clearly implied when it says that he rejoiced, this agaliasato is, 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 appears when they're rejoicing in salvation by the Holy Spirit. Um, yep. A little bit like about the passage is the way that the jailer washes their wounds and will then to the right moment. The Lord will wash away your sins. Yeah. 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 There's a kind of a reciprocity. There's, there's, but you know, you've done, you've done this act of mercy, washing his wounds. Now it's going to be magnified and real for you. The Spirit will wash away your sins. Lovely. Lovely. They use the we call Roman uh, um, uh, the sister, I mean the, the bath, the installation of sauna. I don't know. Well, the, we don't, we oh, I don't know. Okay. They, they, they could have had, could have could have had his own bath. Yeah. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. Okay. Uh, what's so interesting about that piece of information? Particularly in the light of uh, what's been going on since Acts 10. Eat what was offered to them. And what meal would this uh, Gentile jailer most likely give them? Food of the Food, yeah. <laughs> most likely not kosher food. Okay? <laughs> yeah, he probably hasn't brought out, oh, I've just had this blessed by a rabbi. I've got my kashrut certificate. Okay? Um, we have no clue. But he does set before them something. It's obviously something they can eat, and they eat it. Okay? And uh, he was filled with joy, okay? And he is, uh, and because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family, this sort of idea that uh, God works with, with families. I just noticed a word, word I hadn't seen before in verse 34, then he brought them up into mm -hmm. his house. Mm -hmm. So maybe they were down at the river. It's right. possible, yeah? Yeah, maybe. Or up in the reservoir. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere where there was um, uh, water. Okay. So now it's daylight. Okay. The magistrates send their officers to the jailer with orders, release these men. We are not told why. Okay. We are, um, it, it doesn't say that, oh my gosh, we've made a mistake. We've just discovered that these... Uh, uh, um, owners of this slave girl really have uh, no real charge. Um, what we do know is that the response to hearing the word of the Lord and to coming to faith of both Lydia and the jailer is the same. What is it? Open your home. Both of them, as soon as Lydia comes to faith, my home is your home. When, you, uh, when the jailer comes to faith, you're staying with me. I will dress your wounds. I will feed you. you uh, you're, you're now under my care. And um, I think that's a, a very powerful element in, the two, in this chapter of the two people who, are, who come to faith. Their homes are open. The, household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God, even though they're all baptized right mm -hmm. away, and then it calls out again that he had become a believer. That's interesting. Yep. Yep. 
he rejoices in his faith and his fa family are rejoicing in his faith. Well, it, it seems to say that they did, okay. or at least his whole family are baptized, definitely. Um, no, the, the, all, of them, all of the houses is the modifying believing, not, not the baptism. Baptism is singular. He was baptized, the whole house will believe. They could have been baptized, but that's not Ah, that, but that's not what the Greek says. Oh, really? Yeah. The baptism is his singular, and the uh, believing is theirs together. Interesting. Interesting. It's translated like the opposite. Could this be the uh, transformation, the transform periods from the purification into baptism? Because the Jews are involved with it, you know, the Jewish believers are taking this purification, because this is Moses' law. Now, turn into the name of Jesus to be baptized in a whole, the high God. Okay, this is, should be the very first period of uh, Purification turned into oh yeah, and it's definitely that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're not sure uh, who, 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 how these magistrates come to the conclusion that what they did was wrong. Okay. Um, there is a person in this town who might have helped. What's her name? Lydia. She may. She's uh, well-to-do. She may have had a little word to them and say. Ah, those guys you beat up the other day uh, in, in broad daylight? Uh, they're my friends. What's really going on here? We don't know. Okay. Um, the jailer, uh, who has yet to actually get a name, uh, talks to Paul and says, Look, the magistrates have ordered you and Silas to be released. Now you can go. Go in peace. And um, what's his response? No way, Jose! <laughs> okay, what they've done is absolutely completely wrong, right? And so he goes and plays the uh, legal card on them, okay? And uh, so he says, look, you beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens. And threw us into prison. Now, who's the we are Roman citizens here? Paul's a Roman citizen. Silas is a Roman citizen. Luke's a Roman citizen. And Timothy's Roman citizen. Okay. We're Roman citizens. And you threw us into prison and now you want to get rid of us quietly. Nope! Come and apologize yourself. Okay? So remember, this is sacred history. Do you think this is an appropriate response? Yes. Any everyone everyone goes down, yes, definitely. So anyone who goes no should be humble, should have just left quietly. Nope, everyone goes, let's play the... the <laughs> it's being humble. It's giving homage to God, to your Savior. You're not going to, you know, be beaten down by these idiots. Yep. Yep, no, he's being bold. He's yeah. got, he, yeah, he's... He has a trouble card. He, it, it is a serious situation that yep. they've got themselves into. Yeah. Yep, there's, there's no inclination there where the Holy Spirit says, okay, Time for you to shine. Go for it. He's like, no, hang on a second. And he, and he goes, and he, he's, he's not saying anything illegal. He's doing everything perfectly normal. He's also setting it up for the life of the, the brothers and sisters there to be a little bit easier after they leave. Yeah. They would have had pushback here. That's, That's also, yep, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Correction yeah. to the injustice that was done. Mm-hmm. Who's it? Jewish, it's 
Jewish roots. <laughs> sure. That's a good question. No, a, a lot. There are there are some. There are some people whose response would be, "Oh no, we'll just humbly be quiet." And you go, "Maybe, maybe that's not always the most appropriate of responses." So that could have been easier if they hadn't have gone through because their original beating and things was actually public. Yeah. So because it was public, it's almost like they needed a public. They needed the public I need a public, yeah. Rather yeah. than if that had been done away from the public, they may well have gone. Yeah. Okay. Sure. There's also the issue of the good of the souls of the rulers themselves. It was much better for their souls for them to confess and to apologize than to. Yeah, that's yeah, that's Arya. You're right there. It's good for these guys to also get told their sin. There's so, nothing to say that they did not publicly forgive them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The officers report this to the magistrate, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they are alarmed. Whoops, we could be in serious trouble here. They came to appease them and escort them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. They came to appease them. Now, how do you think uh, a magistrate um, would appease Paul? What do you think Paul would have taken in appeasement? What would you have taken in appeasement? Perhaps that question is different for everybody. It's like money. It's usually, the usually the currency is coin, yeah, but uh, it doesn't say that. I mean, they, they have come to appease. It's possible they jangled some stuff and went, does this cover the medical bills? I mean, uh, yeah, not I mean, sure. My, my, my version just says, I came and apologized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Aria, the Greek. They, they apologized? Well, in Romans, Paul talks about upholding those in authority. Mm-hmm. So, they encourage them and, uh, and let them out. Ask them to leave the city. And I don't receive apology here. No, no apology? Okay. Yeah, so the, the request is to leave. Please, please actually leave this, this place. So, Paul and Silas come out of the prison. Uh, they don't immediately leave the place. They go and see uh, Didia. Uh, maybe because she helped secure their release, or just maybe because she is the believer in the church as we know it is beginning to take form in her in her establishment. Uh, it's good for her to know what exactly went on. So she maybe get asked to yeah. see what happened. Yeah, they're, they're honouring her as being a leading person. Yeah, got a, got a new family to introduce to Lydia now, don't we? Mm-hmm. You got uh, the jailer, the unnamed jailer, and all his family. Uh, so the community has grown. Okay. And then, um, so where they meet the brothers, whoever the brothers are, and when it says the word brothers, what does that mean in this context now? Jews and Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles, right? Once we've hit Acts 15, the brothers are, are Jews and Gentiles. And then they actually leave. But they leave with a community that's uh, now now established. There's definitely two households that are that are um, have formed the initial kernel movement: uh, Lydia and our unnamed jailer, their families, and the other Jews and Gentiles who were at this prayer 
prayer time. But the majority are going to be Gentiles. Okay. And, so this is the Church of the Church of Philippi. Yeah, Church of Philippi. Did Lydia open the house? Lydia? Yes, once Lydia comes to faith, she opens her house, and as does the jailer. And that's what I thought was interesting in this, in this chapter, that once uh, the families had become believers, their first response was, my house is now open. She's the purple cloth merchant, yes. Everybody needs to make expenses come Yeah. All right. Okay. Any other questions or things you've noticed about Acts 16? It has very little reference to the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, what did the Holy Spirit do in this chapter? Essentially, the only time it is actually listed as a, as a thing, it, it forbids people from going places. It prohibits. Okay. Um, a lot of the other stuff that occurs is not attributed to the Holy Spirit. That doesn't say he's not there. That doesn't say he's not working. Right? Um, you know, Paul, who has the ability to command a spirit to come out of a girl, still gets beaten up and thrown in prison. Right? So just because you've you know, got full of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean life's going to be easy. Certainly doesn't mean you're not going to suffer. So it doesn't mean that you might not get killed. Right? And so um, some people, we have, we have to acknowledge the fact that being filled with the Spirit does, is not an insurance policy against suffering. Uh, in fact, in, in this case, it seems like it's a short ticket to it. They got to shake it up. That's right. Do you have any idea why the jailer's name is not mentioned? I have, I have no clue. I couldn't find any commentary to comment about it other than always a comment, he doesn't have a name. I guess I know that. <laughs> Lydia gets one. Spend all night with the, with the guy. Surely one of the four guys could have remembered the guy's name as opposed to the girl's name. Or maybe it's the only thing they can remember. I can remember the girl's name, can't remember that guy though. <laughs> I have no clue, I, I, I don't know. Any idea? Often the names that you mentioned early on are people who achieved some prominence in the faith, in the, in the community of faith later on. We could perhaps speculate that the, this particular brother didn't go on to be known. Possible. Maybe even at last. You know. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. yeah. And even some of the ones that lapse, we get their names as well. <laughs> But, but yeah, maybe he doesn't actually have uh, much of a story. I, I don't know. All right. Well, okay. How would he have gotten baptized? I mean, you usually say the person's name, don't you? And what have they done? Okay, Mr. Taylor? <laughs> yeah. I think there's something to be said in that if the Taylor wasn't known by name, or didn't have a reputation amongst the surrounding churches in the province or area, then there's no need to mention it in the story because I think it's, it's not dropping names for the sake. Yeah. Now, Lydia 
it's clearly uh, influential, powerful, and presumably was a, a leader of the church in the house. Yeah. Uh, but this guy is a regular guy, just doing a job. The and purpose of the document doesn't need to have those names. Yeah. And think about what his job is. You know, he's a he's not a, like a normal prison guard that we have in in today. This is a guy who he's, he roughs people up. Maybe he had to. Maybe he did. He didn't. Maybe he quit his job after this. We don't know. But uh, either way, they both have the same response. They open their homes. Maybe. Maybe. I think it was very powerful to focus on and I focused on this chapter for so long and just to really imagine the same, I don't know, the problem wasn't this jailer that beat them, but certainly it was his people. Mm -hmm. You know, he was associated with those who beat and mortally wounded the men who he then asked for this baptism and this <laughs> salvation. And, you know, that's a humble thing when you let someone else baptize you. And that just really struck me as we were reading it, what, how amazing that is, that dynamic. Mm -hmm. Alright, so next trip, we, we hit a couple of different cities and a very, very long speech. <laughs> and we'll see how successful he is. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.